Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Amanda Robinson about being a co-CEO. You'll remember that a few weeks ago, I did a podcast about co-chairing a board. Well, that prompted the fabulous Dominique Hess to introduce me to Amanda, and here we are. So we'll talk about being a co-CEO, maybe what the board should think about in having a co-CEO, and we might also touch on boardroom dynamics and boardroom stability. First, let me tell you about Amanda. Amanda is the co-CEO at Marshall Day Acoustics and looks after the Australian operations, which includes China and Hong Kong. She's a qualified mechanical engineer who has worked in the acoustics field for over 20 years. She has a passion for delivering high-quality acoustic spaces in the built form and for educating people in acoustics. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Amanda. Thanks, Helia. Lovely to be here. So, Amanda, before we dig a little bit deeper about being a co-CEO and some of those other boardroom dynamics questions, firstly, how did you end up where you are today? I, it's an interesting story. So the founder of Marshall Day was stepping back to retirement and we were looking at a new leadership structure. We tried a group of five for a while. That absolutely didn't work. And then they sort of pushed a couple of us forward and I said, I don't really want to do it. <laughs> they said, come on. And the other person, my co-CEO, said, yep, I'll take it on. It's a big role to take on and I felt it was a big responsibility and I said, well, how about I, you know, come in and help out for the first couple of years and five years later I'm still there. (laughs) So (laughs) we've made it work. Oh, that is interesting. I mean, it's about the topic as well, but that is interesting. So he puts his hand up like we hear all the time you know, that sometimes there's a bit of a gender divide in people who put their hand up for things. And he's like, yep, I'll give it a crack. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe I'll help out there. I'm sure we'll dig into it a bit more. What was it that prompted you to to get over the, I don't want to do this. Actually, maybe I will. So I guess I had come from a position where I'd stepped off the board. So Mm. I had a fair understanding of the role 
and what would go on, which was one of the things that scared me about it. <laughs> um, and it is a lot of responsibility to take on. And I didn't feel mm. that, you know, one person could do that on their own, particularly, you know, he hadn't sat on the board at that stage, um, so didn't necessarily have that background. Right. Okay. So it's a bit of a win-win in that regard for both of you. You get to share that responsibility with somebody else because you know what the wall of work that's coming down the line and responsibility that's coming down the line that's involved in it. And he gets to draw on your experience in that as well. Yeah. And we are very different people. We have a completely different dynamic. And I think that's what works best about it. So very much yin and yang where yeah. I'm strong, he is probably weaker, and where I am weak, he is strong, and that's why it works. Right. So he's already put his hand up saying, I'll do it. How did you approach him and say, actually, you know what, I think you need me? You might not have said it quite that like that, but how did you approach the conversation with him saying, let's do it together? No, I'm not sure that he put his hand up. It was more that we were both tapped on the shoulder. Uh-huh. Yes. He said, okay, I'll do it. And I said, no, I don't want to. <laughs> tapped again. Tapped again. And were you both tapped on the shoulder to do it together? Yes. Oh, interesting. Okay, so the board said we want to have co-CEOs. It wasn't the board. So ah. it came from <laughs> the founding partner who was, you know, looking to retire. He was the one who was really the architect behind it. <laughs> the architect in oh so many ways. Okay. So you're both tapped on the shoulder. You're not interested. He is. He says he is. And then you're like, oh, okay, maybe if we're both going to do this together, then it will work uh, in a better way. So, you know, you've touched a little bit already about the yin and the yang. What makes it successful for the two of you? I think we, and given the circumstances that we've had in the last, you know, 12 to 24 months, that was really the challenge that set us up and it's all about communication. That's how it works. So I call in my work wife. We (laughs) talk every day during COVID. It was morning and night trying to navigate our way through, you know, what was a very difficult situation and it is about that communication piece. It doesn't work if if one person goes to ground, (laughs) the whole thing starts to uh, fall over. But it's great to have somebody to also bounce ideas off. I think I tend to drive things a little bit harder, but it's it's good to have him there to listen, support, say, what about this, what about that? I'm guessing if there's a bit of yin and yang, there's things about each other that also drive you a little bit nuts. How do you manage to keep that in that kind of constructive zone rather than destructive? That's that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is difficult and sometimes you just have to take a step back and say, okay, you know, it's not necessarily the approach that I would take, but I, one of the key things about our role is listening. You know, you've got to take on board the criticism or the acknowledgement, whatever piece it is, and bring that to the table. So probably 70, 80% of my job is just listening to people to work yeah. out the way forward. And that yeah. goes for him as well. How does the communication work with the board? Because often the CEO is the key conduit between the organisation and the board. You know, the chair might meet with the CEO. How does it work having two of you? How does, how does that relationship work in practice? 
So up until a few months ago, Christoph was on the board as well. We've made Mm -hmm. a conscious effort to both of us be off the board because it was like you were wearing two hats. You're driving decisions and, on the other hand, you're, you know, enforcing those decisions and sometimes the two don't work. So we're now both off the board and that's a conscious decision. In terms of the communication, we try and divide it between us, but we will normally both sit in on part of the board meeting to communicate. So he tends to look after the financial side of things and I look after the the operations side of things. So you're not both there for the whole board meeting. You actually just come in and out for the bits that you're needed for. Sometimes we will both sit in. So it depends on what the agenda is for the board meeting, but Mm. it doesn't require both of us. Although if yeah. it gets to a sticky situation, then normally we'll, <laughs> the person who's not in will get called in pretty quickly. So. <laughs> so you were previously on the board. If I've got it right, you were on the board, you stepped down from the board and then became co-CEO. He was on the board and remained on the board for a period of time whilst co-CEO. How did you manage the dynamics around all of that? Firstly, around stepping down from the board because you were previously a board member and you now report to the board and then for a period of time your the other half of you was on the board. How did the dynamics work around all of those differences? We have a pretty unique structure in that so Marshall Day is owned by the employees and mm. the board is made up of two people in New Zealand, two people in Australia with mm. a common chair. So it's a common board across both sides. So anybody who's a shareholder is eligible to put their hand up to go on the board and we have a rotation policy. Ah. Oh, now we've got a whole new little rabbit warren to go down. This is fun. Okay, so before we go down the rotation policy, so everybody who is an employee has shares in the business? Not everybody. Not every, so again, how does that work in practice? Is everybody offered the opportunity? Does everybody have the equal amount of shares? How does that work? You can put your hand up to be a shareholder, but normally mm-hmm. you are also invited to be a shareholder. So you sort of right. get to a point in your career where you're okay. a valued team member, you know, critical player. Um, so there's there are certain guidelines that we use for um, selecting shareholders. So it's, yep. Yeah. So once you've been there for a while, presumably you're invited invited in as shareholders. So just out of interest, what proportion of the staff are shareholders? We have 31, I think. So it is nominally 30%. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So you've got about 30% of your staff who are the shareholders. From that comes the board And you mentioned in there that there's a rotation policy. How do people get on the board? How does that move around? Tell us about that. (laughs) So to get on the board, so normally people do a four-year term and then at the end of that they can either put their hand up to restand or step down, but we try not to have people do more than two terms Mm -hmm. just to keep it fresh and so that you don't have a board that is I guess fixed in their ways we've got new blood and it's being driven by the shareholders having said that you know a four-year term it kind of takes you two to three years to get your feet under the table 
So by the time you, you know, get up to speed, then you're potentially stepping off. Did you say a four-year maximum or an eight-year maximum? Four. So you can do four and four. Right. But you could also step off after that first term and not re-stand. Yeah, right. Okay. And do most people stay on for two terms or do they stay on for one term or is it a real mix? It's a real mix. I always think it's an interesting one. Yeah, the length for board members. I mean, I'm definitely a fan of maximum terms. I think it's good to have people moving on after, say, eight years, anywhere between kind of eight to ten years, I think is a good thing. But you're right, four years, if you've got people moving every four years, that could equally be problematic and actually sway the kind of power in a way towards the CEOs, which might be useful given you're one of them. (laughs) But it, it kind of sways the information knowledge towards the CEO rather than towards the board. It is that corporate knowledge that's really important and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the t- decisions that go before aren't necessarily known by the current board. You know, how did we get to this point? <laughs> mm. And so you have to sort of go back and re-educate people um, yes. on those topics. Yeah. How does that also work when you've got... You know, you're the CEO of the organisation. People report either through to you or to your colleague or to other layers in the business and they're on the board. How does that work in a practical sense in terms of the reporting up through the structure as well? I think because we have a common chair, he tends Mm. to be the conduit, if you Mm. like, for those decisions and information. The company is aligned in its goals in delivering acoustic excellence. So we're all working towards the same thing. We might go about it a a slightly different way. Is there any independent directors on the board or are they all the the shareholders who are the employees of the organisation? So the non-executive, the chair effectively, Ah, is independent. So he's he's like the umpire in the room. (laughs) That must be fun. How long's that person been in their place and how did you find them? We had a, a person who did the role for 15 years, who's fantastic, mm-hmm. and he stepped off, I think, three years ago and the new chair came in and we went through quite a rigorous process. You know, we knew what we were looking for. We did a series of interviews. We looked in both Australia and New Zealand and ended up with Suman, who's been mm-hmm. great. But he brings a very different light to the board mm-hmm. from the previous chair. Interesting. That's why turnover sometimes on boards is useful. It can mess with the, the equilibrium a little bit, but it's always the fingers crossed that it's messing with it in a constructive way and taking things forward. I think we'd got very comfortable and mm. that's probably not what you want the board to do. They should be asking the difficult questions. Yes. And I quite often tell him to stop asking difficult questions. <laughs> That's his role. Take <laughs> <laughs> that on the chin. <laughs> yes. Well, then, then back to the board role in this co-CEO arrangement. I think if I heard rightly, it was the founding director that tapped you both on the shoulder to take it on. How did the board respond to that? What did the board need to know? You know, were they just like, oh, co-CEOs, of course, this is perfect, let's just do it? Or was there questions around that? How did that work from it becoming an idea and a tap on the shoulder to actually happening? 
I think at the time, so that was when the previous chair was still involved and he obviously knew the players that were coming to the table and I think everybody agreed that it was, you know, a good approach and let's try it and let's see how it works. You know, we had a review done last year by an external person as well who, you know, Mm -hmm. made a comment that it is a very unusual arrangement, but in this instance, it does work. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So the review, was that about the organisation or was it just about the co-CEOs and how they work together? No, that was about the organisation. And tell me, for the co-CEOs, part of that, what were the sorts of things they were evaluating and what were the insights that you got from that that might be of value from others that are listening that thinking about putting this in place? It's been it's probably been 12 months since we uh, <laughs> went through the review. So it wasn't necessarily analysing the co-CEO role. That was Mm. a part of it. It was more about operating model and strategy, um, that side of things and giving us a steer on how to move things forward. Mm. One of the things that did come out of that is that we're, (laughs) because we come from an engineering background, we're not necessarily you know, trained as managers or CEOs or in this role. Mm-hmm. And one of the strong suggestions was that we, you know, reached out to coaches to get some support, mm-hmm. which has been really useful. Fantastic. And management level within the organisation or is it at, at the CEO level? No, it's at the CEO level. Ah, interesting. So tell me in as much detail as you're able, how have you found that working with a coach? And do you both work with the same coach? So interestingly, we so Christoph has got a coach. I chose not to go down that path because I have a very strong support network of women that I bounce things off. So I think you mentioned the other week that you went on a walking meeting. You know, mm. I do that regularly with a couple of females who, you know, hold similar roles in similar companies. And I find that far more useful than having somebody external, if you like, come in and tell me what for. (laughs) It's more about, you know, having that ability to bounce ideas off someone and say, you know, what do you think about this situation? What do you think about that situation? So for a board in thinking about bringing in co-CEOs, if they are either thinking about proactively going out and either tapping people on the shoulder or just advertising for a role as co-CEOs or encouraging it as co-CEOs, or if they're approached by candidates for a role as co-CEOs. I've been on a board before where we advertised for the CEO and we had all these individuals and then a pair of people applied as job share, essentially. So what's your advice to boards in what they need to think about in either accepting that or encouraging that amongst others? I mean, I'm all for the co-CEO role. I think it works really well. I think what what I would like to see happen more is acknowledgement from the board. I mean, we're very unusual that we don't have any set KPIs or, you know, deliverables or, you know, we've got reporting, but that's about it. And I Mm. think having that stronger mechanism on expectations, communication from the board is really important. That would, you know, direction is everything. (laughs) Mm. 
And sometimes I feel that gets a bit lost. And that's probably as part of, you know, the rotation policy as well. I guess our board is still, you know, it's a relatively new thing for us. I don't think they've ever had to deal with a situation with co-CEOs before. Mm. So it is a, a new thing. and They're still finding their feet. Do you know any other co-CEOs? I know that there is an architectural practice to run a co-CEO role as well. Mm-hmm. Have reached out to them in the past. <laughs> Say congratulations. <laughs> you and your job share partner are both full-time. It's not that you're both part-time. You are co-CEOs but both full-time within the organisation, right? Correct. As you were thinking about taking it on, was there any discussion about being less than full-time out of interest? I used to do less than full-time and <laughs> I, I can't make that work now. I've had to make a real shift to say the co-CEO stuff comes first, the engineering comes second. So right. Because it is such, you know, I can't pretend that, you know, I'm an engineer day by day and this is just something I tackle on the side because mm. the role is too great for that. So CEO first and actually tacking the engineering on the side rather than the other way around. Yeah. So when you came into the role, were you not full-time? No, I used to do a four-day week. But I think the board, you know, they get two for the price of one effectively because uh, we are both knee-deep in it. And as you say, you get that yin and the yang. You get the different skills and strength that both of you bring to the role. And as long as that yin and the yang work together constructively and effectively rather than against each other, then why wouldn't you? It's just such a great way of getting that extra impact in the role. We've not had an instance yet, Touchwood, where we have, you know, vehemently disagreed. Mm. And so we've never had to really test that relationship and I hope we never have to. (laughs) (laughs) And in fact, do the the staff ever play you off against each other? Do you have, you know, staff coming to mum and not getting the right answers so going to dad? Yeah, uh, that does happen. But because we have such strong communication, that effect gets found out pretty quickly. So Yes, yeah. Oh, Amanda, this has been so interesting to learn more about that both how you two operate together but also some of those insights around the boardroom as well and how the board works. What are the key points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Um, I think if you're thinking about a co-CEO role or co-chair whatever embrace it it can work Mm. and I think it it helps to I guess, release the burden from just one person having to take on board everything. Um, Mm. You know, that sharing really helps. I would like to, we didn't touch on this, but I would like to strongly encourage boards to get females around the table because I think we bring such a different perspective to conversations. It is, you know, I see it as essential. And if, particularly in engineering where it's such a male-dominated field, having that different perspective and different insight I think can really help organisations. You you get no argument out of me in being able to touch on that even though we didn't in the conversation. That's absolutely fine. And is there a resource you would like to recommend for the Take On Board community? Um, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. I've not read her work. And Glennon Doyle is another one that my walking buddy has lent me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Fantastic. Brene Brown now has quite the reading list. Have you got a favourite amongst them or just Brene Brown overall? No, just Brene Brown overall. Yeah. Excellent. All right, we'll put some links to um, both of uh, – I'm pretty sure both of them have websites, the Brené Brown and Glennon Doyle, so I'll make sure I put links to both of those in the show notes for people. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Amanda, to unpick a little bit more about what being a co-CEO is all about. Shout out to Dominique. Thank you for putting us in touch. So thank you for sharing your wisdom with the Take On Board community today. My pleasure. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.